0: Welcome back, Never Sleepers. Thank you for tuning in to Ross Never Sleeps. I'm your host, Alex Ross. Today's episode features a dear old friend of mine that I've watched grow and evolve in Toronto's broadcasting industry. One of the nicest and handsomest and hardest working people on television and Facebook Live right now, Graham O'Neill. But first, what's on this week at NeversleepsNetwork.com? Tomorrow and every Tuesday, an all new Vesta Friends sketch comedy podcast. This week's guest, Kevin. Vidal, and Christian Smith of Soul Decision. Catch them this month at JFL 42 here in Toronto. They're the only sketch duo at the festival. Wednesday, check out the latest episode of The Potato Files, Jeff Paul's latest guest, the extremely funny, Steph Tolev Thursdays are Talkin' Wrestling with host Casey Corbin and his guests this week, brothers, Ken Reed from Sportsnet 360 and comedian Peter Anthony. Yeah, they're brothers. Friday, be sure to check out the latest Speech Bubble comic book podcast, Aaron Broberman's latest guest, the second of back-to-back drawn quarterly creators live from Inkwell's and the famous Canadian cartoonist, Seth. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Ross Never Sleeps. My guest Graham O'Neill can be seen every day on Entertainment Tonight Canada on their Facebook live show where Graham is joined by all kinds of interesting celebrities and co-hosts with local broadcasting legends Roz Weston from Roz and Mocha, Cheryl Hickey and Sagita Patel. Here's my interview with one of the best people to know in this very industry, the amazing Graham O'Neill. Welcome to Ross Never Sleeps. My guest today is Graham O'Neill, the illustrious, the, in in my eye, I'm so proud of you, maybe because we're old friends and I watch (laughs) you grow on the internet, Yes, uh, but I've seen you do it all, you know? Not
1: physically, just...
0: (laughs) Physically too, Graham, you know, like don't sell yourself too short. Uh, Graham O'Neill, of course, has worked, you know, for many, many broadcasters currently with ET Canada. You're doing a live kind of lunch time basically talking about segments that are covered throughout the day and you're giving your own taste and you're alongside some of the biggest names in uh, Canada broadcasting right now we're talking about right. Roz from Roz and Mocha Cheryl Hickey um, formerly Rick Campanelli Sangita Patel of course is still there yep. thank you so much for coming on to the show today oh, thanks so, I'm so honored because <laughs> you know even though we're old friends it, it takes a lot for people especially in broadcasting, to make time out of their day to come. Uh, I know you're busy. And, you know, broadcasting is the hardest job in Canada to get, you know, really good recognition. And I think you're one of the hardest working people in this industry. So that's why we're here today. We want to talk about, yes. you know, what makes you uh, so valuable today in the sense that you've been working hard at it. I bet so much has happened since we've last, you know, we've oh, yeah, probably sure. six, Every day six years. I yeah, I know, but <laughs> since I've seen you, you know, And and I know that working in, you know, broadcasting in Canada, just as a a fair warning to those entering the industry, and that's why we do this show. It's to talk to people like you who have rode the waves, you know, you've been a a part of the layoffs, and you've come back, and you've figured it out as Mm -hmm. you go. So, we're going to talk about all this stuff. So, you're a perfect example of why Ross Never Sleeps exists today really getting down to, uh, the nitty gritty of, of, you know, what brought you to ET Canada? How do you now have a live show it's true, every huh? <laughs> week? You know, you're working with huge names. Like, I, I mean, it's interesting to think that, you know, one day you're working in a broadcasting company yep. and you see these on-air talents and you've worked with, you know, Tracy Moore and Dina Pugliese, not even just at City, but, um, you know, on Breakfast Television and city line and and you kind of done on air and off air stuff but yep. you know canada's got talent another city show that you've been involved in all the way up to et canada and everything along the way and i love Roz and mocha Roz weston like i, I think girl yeah you get to hang out with like really interesting people yeah. so tell us about that we, you know let's start off the bat and then we'll
1: get to how you got there what's going on at et with you lately yeah so we have this facebook live show that we do every day uh, it's usually one thirty. we kind of jump around to 12 30 every every once in a while. And even sometimes we'll have a big name guest. And so we definitely try to keep it at that same time, but there might be times that it jumps around a different time accommodating for that big guest. Like we've had like Lady Antebellum or we just had the Vamps on Tuesday. That was yesterday. Yeah, right? (laughs) Tuesday, yeah.
0: Those are like some of the biggest artists in country and boy bands. Like you're talking to the
1: hit makers right now. Yeah, like the band Perry and stuff like that, which is always fun. And yeah, that's the thing. It's a very loose format. So what the Facebook Live show is, it's, it's essentially the same kind of stories we would do on the broadcast show of ET Canada but a much looser format usually runs pretty close to half an hour 25 minutes 30 minutes of course it's not really a set time that we have to go to we just kind of let it play out but yeah we always try to do topics that people can respond to so I have a laptop there I'm looking at those comments coming in live so we always try to talk about topics that people can respond to because even sometimes some of the biggest headlines there's not really that much to say about it like even when somebody passes away or when somebody you know a couple of breaks up unless it's something really scandalous if a couple just breaks up is you know what are you going to say i always think about that when i'm planning the show is as a viewer what am I going to say about that topic other than, oh, that's too bad. So we always try to choose topics that are really going to get people talking. And of course, sometimes it's just obvious a new song, a new trailer. TV shows are hard to do because a lot of the time, you know, people haven't watched those shows. So unless it's a topic that goes beyond having to know the plot of that TV show or that kind of thing, it's really, so yeah, I've learned along the way because we've been doing it for over a year now and I produce this Facebook live show as well. So yeah, we do it at one 30 most of the time and my morning is assembling the show obviously some stuff happens overnight that I can pull stuff from there but there is stuff I'm constantly changing the show up to like 110, one15 I'm still changing stuff out it's like a puzzle that like you're sometimes taking stuff out because something huge will happen that you can't ignore um, even we've gone live to some things like uh, the OJ Simpson verdict was happening live I guess that's about a month ago now we went live to that um, Kathy Griffin did a press conference um, about her Donald Trump beheading photo with the attorney, so we went live to that. So we're responding live to that. If somebody passes away, like we did, Mayor Tyler Moore, and we did—I forget his name now. That's terrible. Uh, the lead singer of Linkin Park, Chester. Bennington, I want to say. You nailed it. So, yeah, we went live with that as well. So, yeah, we're really trying to capitalize on this live, and people love live. That's the thing. I think, you know, through Instagram stories or on YouTube, people are okay with a little bit of roughness now. If it means you get a little bit more personality as opposed to just, yeah, two people just kind of giving you news and that interactive. So, we'll say, you know, Tracy says this or Brad says that in response to that song. And sometimes that even changes the conversation that we have. Um, and definitely allows us to be really loose. Like We end up goofing around a lot too of uh, various stuff. Um, yeah, so it's been an interesting journey. Like We started this about a year ago, and yeah, Facebook was really exploding with their Facebook Live, and we were really the first major broadcaster to do a real daily show. Of course, some people were just going, some broadcasters were going live, like some magazines and stuff like that, but literally just on an iPhone or that kind of thing. So we do it just like the broadcast ET Canada show. It's HD, it's shot on the studio camera, it's shot in the studio, it's shot out with the studio cameras is, is exactly what the broadcast show would be and Facebook started actually using us as an example as look you can do with Facebook Live you can make it look like a broadcast show and I have nothing to do with that that's the amazing technical staff at AT Canada that pulled that off so yeah so we've been doing it for just over a year uh, keeps on chugging along we'll see where it goes from here but yeah it's always different every day you just gotta keep up with it
0: and the interactiveness is the key yeah right I mean we all watch kind of the same news stories all day long but we never really get our own ch- Chance to kind of agree or disagree yeah, or be involved it, yeah. so how much does that play a role you know is it half of these people want to say hello to you do they want to hear their name heard or
1: are they voicing the opinions that are really moving the story i think because really a lot of the time at this point i recognize a lot of the people that are commenting so they do come back uh, not necessarily every day but definitely yeah it's a, it's the same group of people so they know you know what we're doing um yeah it's not that very often that people are just saying definitely at the top of the show saying hi from and it'd be from all over the world. It's not just Canada, like Brazil, a lot of places in Europe. I'm trying to think of, yeah, we've had some really interesting locations that people are watching us from. Um, And yeah, they they always want to give their opinion. I think it's an interesting format that they can, yeah, get their opinion heard on a big uh, broadcaster like UT Canada. It's super important. uh, If you're not interacting anymore,
0: you're just displayed on a screen and you're hoping people are watching. So Facebook is obviously the future of broadcasting. We see that in in a lot of ways. And it's interesting that you're jumping on that ship and you're doing it with the big talent that et is known for yeah. so what's it like every day hanging out with Sangeeta patel you know and and cheryl hickey and Roz, and just like shooting the shit for yeah. a lot of this <laughs> no, it's stuff.
1: true and it, that's the thing they love it too like sangeeta's been there for about four years now i think and then cheryl and Roz have been there since the beginning so we're talking uh like 12 years wow. 13 years and of course yeah they've been doing it so we've only been doing this for the past year i know yeah they both completely love it. Cause just, it's, yeah, it's just something new to do. And it's, and it's loose. It's just, yeah, you can give your opinion. You you can, things go a little bit wrong or we go off on tangents, different things. Like it's not as structured because with a broadcast show, that's really with, without commercials, it's 22 minutes. And so I'm, you know, we're going through all these stories. So really definitely the broadcast show allows a little bit of opinion to be inserted in there, but really it is on a very tight timeline that they got to fit everything in. So this is a much looser format. Um, yeah and they really just can you know we just kind of go off on tangents and they really enjoy yeah being able to bring their opinion and yeah just be a little bit looser with things too
0: is Roz off the air when he does like these live Facebook things a little like when you say he's loose is he like a
1: Joe Cracker or is it Cheryl or is it saying all of them like I think what especially with the Facebook live how they are in there that's how they are in person yeah like I mean in terms of Ra- Roz's radio show that's how he is yeah, it's he's not like so funny. some act yeah he's, he's like it all the time. Awesome guy. Um, yeah, same thing with Cheryl. Like, yes, total jokes all the time. Yeah, I know like she doesn't really get that show, that personality as much sometimes on the show. So, yeah, so Facebook Live is a great opportunity to do that. Of course, yeah, she's all over social media as well. So You're very
0: lucky you, because, you know, as known as these may, these people may be, uh, they are very down to earth, which you are. You're like the most down to earth person on like a <laughs> broadcasting format right now, in my opinion, in Toronto. And that's why you're so like and you're used to that. You know, you and S- Sangita are both from City TV. Yeah. You worked on City Line with Tracy Moore. You did a little bit of on air, but mostly, uh, you know, behind the scenes. Yeah. And then when you got on to Canada's Got Talent as a correspondent, you were working again with City TV royalty, Dina Pugliese, yeah. who, if you've ever met Dina, and I worked on Breakfast Television for many, many years, she's the most normal person yeah. on the face of the planet, let alone in broadcasting. Yeah. She's just beyond normal. So you play off these people very well because you're not a straight man you know what i mean like you you are not a comedy guy either it's kind of you float in between the straight guy and the comedy guy you play off these people extremely well so leading up to et we're doing canada's got talent again with with royalty from city tv you know Dina Pugliese who is kind of the goofball right yeah. she's you're the straight guy and she's the comedy act in that bit what was it like working with her and working on Canada's Got
1: Talent yeah so well I mean it's say first of all just Dina and Tracy in general yeah those are my first uh, jobs granted Marilyn Dennis was the host of City, City Line for like the first seven months I was there working but yeah then Tracy came on and yeah, I will say there's no two better people to learn from than Tracy Moore and Dina Pugliese because they are so down to earth just such jokesters no no ego whatsoever none, about none. them uh, great with people aware you know aware of what their job is and what their persona is is um yeah just amazing people so yeah i learned so much from them just watching them and yeah you know not just being on camera with them but just yeah being able to see them interact with fans and stuff like that they're just yeah like amazing two amazing ladies um in my life and yeah, i definitely keep in touch with both of them just because yeah they were such an influence on me um canada's got town was amazing going into that i was hired as a digital correspondent because they'd never done it before um they didn't really have a complete idea of what they wanted my role to be. Um, The idea was that I was going to be going on the road, uh, going to all the, all the auditions and I was going to do, you know, blog posts, photos, and video. Cause this is five years ago now. So Instagram hadn't really taken off. I don't know. Yeah. Facebook wasn't really doing video. I don't think, I don't think Twitter had maybe Twitter had video. I'm not sure if they did like that. Twitter was definitely around. I remember I started my Twitter account for okay. Got talent, <laughs> but yeah, I don't think there was any video of that so yeah. So basically was, you know, it was a little bit more basic. Um, but yeah, they kind of, it was kind of an open book of what I could do with it. And it became very aware right away that it wasn't my goal to be an on air person for that, but it just didn't make sense to me that you go to all these auditions and I'm going to write a blog, post about a contortionist like you want to see that contortionist <laughs> I just thought no one's going to want to read about a contortionist or any of these talents you want to see these talents so quickly that became the thing that mostly it was originally supposed to be a mix of blog posts and, and video basically after about a week it became okay we're, I'm just going to do all video and I didn't appear on camera every single time it was probably a ratio about 75% I was on camera 25% I wasn't just because once again with that producer side of me it's it's like, am I going to add anything being on camera for this? Sometimes it, w- it wasn't necessary. Just do a straight interview. But what the shtick became quickly was that me trying out all these talents. And that's definitely... It, it's funny, as we went uh, across the country doing all these auditions, I could see it growing that people were recognizing me. And I remember at a certain point... Uh, what was it? in Montreal, um, there was like a pole dancer. And so I tried the pole dancing act. And it was after that that everyone started noticing me as, oh, you're the guy who did that pole dancing. I was like, oh man, that's what I'm going to become known for with this. Um, so yeah, so we went across the country th- three times. And the cool thing about that show is when you think about a So You Think Dance or a Canadian Idol, American Idol, you know, it's all singers or it's all dancers. And pretty much they're all like Twenty to twenty-five, maybe get some that are late twenties. But really, of course, they you know, to a certain point, they all have an, an interesting story. But at a certain point, they're all just singers and they're all just dancers. So with Canada's Got Talent, sure, you had singers and dancers, but you just had well, even than that, you had a huge range of singers and dancers. You had opera singers, you had acapella groups, and then but yeah, then you had dancers, you had groups, uh, you had single dancers. But then yeah, you had like acrobatics, you had contortionists, illusionists, some random acts with bunnies that were supposed to jump through hoops and stuff like that, kind of daredevil type. So it was just, it was, and it was all ages, all walks of life. So it was just so interesting getting the chance I would always think about it like sure I'm interviewing somebody on camera but I'm really for 10 minutes I'm getting to learn about this person's life and I never would have met this person in my life really that's the reality I never would have might have met them but never would have had a 10 minute conversation with this person so that's what was really cool about Candles Got Talent is having that experience and even uh, before the semifinals we went and surprised people at their houses like all across the country that they were coming to Toronto for the semifinals I remember we even went I don't remember the name the town, but we flew into Moncton, New Brunswick, and then we drove about 40 minutes outside of Moncton to surprise this guy on a Saturday night, Ivan Daigle surprise him at this bar like you know in the middle of nowhere that he performed every Saturday night at he was a country singer so we surprised him at the bar that he was coming to Toronto so that was the yeah it was a very cool thing and then of course when uh, the semi-finals happened um, when the live shows started it wasn't in the plan originally when when we first started the Kansas Town process but yeah they decided to create this backstage live stream show that was the XL Refresh Lounge that's what I hosted so it's basically it was a live stream um, that was happening simultaneous to the broadcast show. So basically you could watch the show on broadcast and also watch this live stream backstage. So it's this lounge where all the performers that were performing that week hung out before and after their performance. And once again, yeah, I would interview them before they went on, after they came off, would go into the, to the studio during commercial breaks, talk to the audience, talk to the judges, talk to Dina, various things, just kind of show people behind the scenes a little bit. Once again, trying out a lot of different talents. Um, but yeah, like super, super cool experience. They only did one season of it. The show, after a big uh, explosive start, um, by the end, yeah, the ratings weren't that good. So they put it on hiatus, but obviously we all knew it wasn't going <laughs> to come back anyways. I went just the thing, even doing that whole process, it was such an d- amazing experience, but also super draining experience because I was that first round going across the country. I was by myself. So I was shooting all the stuff myself even, you know, tracking down all the people to interview, kind of wrangling everybody, shooting it. And then I was even editing it myself. So basically I would shoot shoot all day, go back to my hotel room, edit those pieces, get them up online, do it all again the next day at about 5.30 in the morning till about, yeah, I'd usually go, yeah, probably about 5.30 I'd get up and then usually be done editing by about 10.30 at night. And I was literally like, no eating, no You know, no exercise, just like in the hotel, from getting it done, going to sleep and do it again today. So it was a draining experience. It would have been interesting to see if they did a season two, how things would have changed. I think it would have been a bigger production now that they knew they'd kind of done it once. So it would have been interesting to Holy see. Smokes. Um, but yeah, it was a very cool experience It's a one-off, you know, a year experience to do that.
0: And it almost sounds like you were a journalist, you know, acting like, you know, you're getting sent all around to kind of document yeah. what every city is going through but what I take away from that story is
1: how many skills you have had to have had to have yeah. been in that role. No, yeah, it's true. That's I remember cause it, it was during the live shows that Dina said to me once is like, I don't know how you're doing this. Like, this is like trial by fire. <laughs> Just Cause literally, yeah, the live uh, stream show is basically, I think the show was usually like an hour and a half. So we would do like an after show. So the entire backstage thing would be an hour and 40 minutes. There's, I think the finale was two hours. So we did two hours and 10 minutes and that's no, Commercial breaks, just me talking and filling time for two hours and ten minutes, uh, and stuff would go. Yeah, because guests are supposed to come for the after show from the stage. It wouldn't come, so sometimes I would walk out on stage and try to get them. And it was all live, so it was definitely a fun aspect to it. That just like anything goes.
0: It's amazing how valuable you are. We were discussing a little bit off air before we started recording about you know you've always kind of played both sides really well on air off air. You I think the best people on air have as much knowledge as the people off air and vice versa right. you have to have both tastes of uh the table both sides of the table to kind of really understand yeah that, it
1: really helps yeah like having both sides of it yeah so how did you know canada's got talent progress to et so i stuck around that city for about another six months and was like a digital correspondent for them and so it was a, just a mix of things like i was doing some stuff for bt stuff for city Line, stuff for the news like some entertainment stuff for the news as well and yeah then by the end of the year I just like, I knew they liked me so much, but it just at that point, they weren't really doing enter- any entertainment stuff. So it just felt at that point that yeah we're both sides are kind of hanging on to something it was like clearly this is kind of done at this point like they're really they, yeah because really after Canada's got talent like that that was supposed to be the end of my contract basically but they kept me around and there just wasn't like there wasn't enough for me to do at that point so yeah it's kind of a mutual thing by the end of the year it's like I think it's time to to part ways but we like him so much we just <laughs> want him around find
0: something for Graham to do that's what yeah, I just was because
1: yeah they weren't really doing obviously they have entertainment city now they're doing but at that point they, I think they maybe created that brand but yeah they really weren't doing much with it at that point point. Um, and yeah and then about the end of the year like literally like December 31st was like the official end of my contract at City, and then yeah kind of took a little bit of time off and then by April beginning of May I started at uh, Entertainment Tonight uh, Canada yeah and started as a producer role there and then yeah with all my jobs it just seems to yeah like starting a producer role but it just kind of evolves that I start doing a little bit of online. On air stuff and yeah, pretty much all the stuff I ever am um, on air for, I produce as well. Um, yeah, I need to just kind of evolve from there. Now,
0: is it a mix of talents? Is it because you're so likable? And I'm saying that like not just as your friend, but like your Always positive, and that's a that plays a huge role when it comes to long days. And people are usually on you know the you have to like what edge. you do. You yeah, do as well, day, yeah. yeah.
1: Obviously, yeah. Doing entertainment, I was like, I love movies, I love music, I love TV shows and that kind of thing. So it's a draining job. You know, it's every day it starts again. It's like it's not like you work on a project for a week and then you see that come to fruition. It's you do it Monday. That day's over, no matter how good or how kind of man that show was. You're doing it all again the next day. Uh, my kind of like my short-term memory has gone it's like i couldn't tell you what was on the show yesterday <laughs> just because it is such a whirlwind uh, every day but that's a nice thing to not have to have to worry about for sure yeah like yeah i mean the days fly by for sure it's not like i'm sitting around at my desk twiddling my thumbs
0: <laughs> and there's always news for you guys to talk about but then the next day is redemption you know there's always the next day of you know we're just going to do it again you right. know like today was today tomorrow's tomorrow
1: the next day you know and that's literally the next day i'll wake up and am like i don't really remember what happened yesterday anyway so <laughs> No, but great! i like, there's not really any bad days. Obviously, some shows will be amazing, and some, like, and it definitely depends on the new sometimes too. Like, um, there's definitely slower periods of the year. Like, there's definitely some periods in the summertime that's a little bit slower, and usually around holidays. Uh, like, things, especially like because we rely so much on obviously the Canadian uh, entertainment industry is a certain beast to a certain extent but we obviously rely on the American entertainment industry big time as well so yeah around the holidays like American Thanksgiving that kind of that whole week things really slow down of course right before Christmas things really slow down as well yeah so there's definitely periods here and there that news really affects uh, what kind of show you can put out there but yeah I'm not saying there's there's never been like a absolutely terrible day
0: and you mentioned that you have to love what you do so where in your adolescence did you realize that I love movies, I love music, television, I need to
1: start working my way into this industry. Was this in high school? No, it's definitely before that. I remember like even as a kid, like I always knew I wanted to do something in entertainment. Of course I mean, like when you're a super little kid, you think you're gonna be a rock star or I don't really remember ever wanting to be an actor. I don't remember ever having that desire but definitely yeah like singer uh but yeah it's not like i can really carry a tune like i was like i'm talking like when i'm like six years old i want to be a big you know up on stage um but remember at a certain point probably by like pre-teens was like director i thought it would be a director um where did you grow up uh milton ontario milton Mm -hmm. what
0: high school Milton district Milton district <laughs> and then anything in high school that's like uh, you know making you think hey media studies I want to be a director yeah, like,
1: I, like I took drama took m- like music and that I don't remember like there's definitely yeah there's a couple like uh, I can't remember what the course is called I guess it was like media studies or something but yeah I definitely shot a few things and like short movies kind of thing and definitely saw that I had uh talent in that i remember even uh like there's definitely like a music side in too that i've never fully um realized like, i can remember back in grade school like being in music class and really being able to do certain stuff and then seeing oh other kids can't do this <laughs> Just, like, I, I didn't see if it as a big deal it's like oh other people can't you know make a beat or you know uh kind of compose or arrange a whole song or anything I was like, oh, I can do that. But yeah, anyways, yeah, in terms of, yeah, doing the media studies in high school. Yeah, I just remember that I wanted to do. I don't think I was very clear on what I wanted to do exactly. Sounds
0: like you wanted to be an artist.
1: Yeah, yeah, I definitely knew I wanted to be in the entertainment world somehow. And then went to Queen's University for film. Kingston. Good old Kingston. Applied to Ryerson and applied to York. Ryerson didn't get in at all because I think... For their film program. I I didn't apply for TV radio, it was just film. I think they have like 1,600 applicants and they accept 20. So yeah, didn't get in on there, and then York I got in to General Arts, and it was like I could take the chance and go there, and then if my marks were high enough in first year, I could transfer into film for second year. That seemed a bit of a risk, so yeah, I decided to go to Queens. Definitely, uh, that program is more uh, theory based and not a lot of hands-on stuff necessarily. you only had about like a course a year, um, but yeah, definitely got to shoot some stuff there and further things a little bit more, and then come. Coming out of school, it just seemed like the jobs are really in TV. I I mean, we're close in age, not
0: not super close, but I felt the same way because you kind of started a few years before I did in the industry and I felt like I was like, oh, who's this like basically PA I'm I was on the technical side because mm-hmm. I wanted to be a PA I, f- I felt like that was the only transition I was gonna get my foot in the door so as you know when I first walked in you were especially you know a figurehead for us younger people you're mm-hmm. like oh he's not that much older than I am and clearly if he's put his work in I have you know that's a goal for me to set you know ha- you know I watched you and 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 took kind of notes a- a- as it were. I was like the only guy that's the line too. <laughs> you
1: in terms of the production
0: staff yeah you, you stuck out like a sore thumb but also because everybody liked you and city line is definitely a woman centric show yeah. and i you know i got some enjoyment working with them because they liked me and you know i was enjoyable enough to to embrace what city line was and like you said tracy moore's like the best like yeah. dina is the best the more you get to interact with these people the better your day is yeah, that's, that's usually sure. how it works out what kind of jobs did you have before before that though,
1: maybe non-media related jobs too. Yeah, I moved to Toronto right away when I graduated. What was the first neighborhood you lived in? Uh, so first one was uh, St. Clair and Avenue. Okay. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know what that area would be considered. It's like it's not circular west yet, so I don't know what. No, I, don't know what, yeah, what yeah, I mean
0: Avenue's pretty close to Young. Yeah, so. like I was, I about
1: a five minute walk from the subway. You're
0: pretty center. You're yeah. like Midtown Center.
1: Yeah, I didn't really know that much about Toronto at that point, so I, I guess I thought it was downtown. Definitely wasn't downtown, but it's yeah, it's not far from downtown. Um, but yeah, but basically that first summer was spent working odd jobs. So I worked on like a cruise ship that would do like day <laughs> cruises, like four hour day cruises. Nice. Uh, oh, I remember literally one point I had about eight part-time jobs because none of them were yeah like full-time things So all just like little gigs here and there like I worked for a marketing company that would like set up uh, installations like I remember working at the CNE and they set up like a big globe so you're showing off their latest laptops that kind of thing uh what other jobs to have and I remember yeah so I and I had a couple contacts that worked on tv shows so basically did uh days here and there as production assistant just one day they would have like you know a big shoot day where they needed more production assistant and that was just like one-offs i volunteered for one tv show as a production assistant that was an interesting story okay which show was this i don't i honestly don't remember the name of it but she solicited pas that's looking back on this situation it's like um Yeah, so she solicited PAs on- (laughs) These are learning situations. on Craigslist, she was looking for PAs. So whatever, go. And it was at this big uh, convention center. I think it was in Mississauga. It wasn't downtown. I don't think it was Brampton. I think it was Mississauga. So she was going to be going around. It was like a fitness convention. She was going to be going around and interviewing people at this uh, convention. So I'm literally just a PA. And so one of the things, she handed me all these- the stack of like disclaimers basically releases that people would have to sign because they're being on camera. So she hands on me all of them and they're all letter size letters, but she's printed it on legal paper. So there's about, you know, five inches on the bottom of this is just blank white space. So she hands me the stack and says, go find some scissors and cut these. So they're the letter size. Okay. So I start winding around Of course, I'm in the convention center. It's a fitness convention center. Like No one really has scissors kicking around. But I walked around for about 20 minutes asking all different vendors, no one has scissors. So I eventually come back to her and I I say, I couldn't find scissors. No one has scissors. And she looks me dead in the eye and she says, oh no, you don't come back to me with a no. You find a way. To cut these papers, and in retrospect, it's like who cares? But obviously, I'm thinking like, oh, I need to make a good impression, blah, blah blah. But I think I ended up just like you know folding them a bunch of times, then like ripping them. And they look like crap because now it's clearly just like a ripped piece of paper. And who cares if it's on legal paper, anyways? And so yeah. But even in that was like she wanted you to sign up for five days for being a PA. I only did that one day. I made a couple excuses <laughs> the next couple of days. But you, once again, you're just thinking like, oh, like I can't make a bad impression and that kind of thing. But yeah a certain point you have to realize like this situation is pretty stupid but i do i do get her a little bit in retrospect she was doing it all herself kind of creating this whole show by herself like good on her for kind of doing it all i don't even remember her name um yeah i hope she's doing well now yeah that was one of my first um experiences yeah so i just had little jobs here and there um in tv and i just had odd jobs to pay the bills to get by and then I went to a friend of mine had a contact at Much Music. I think I first met this guy in the summertime, just to go into the building. He was a publicist there. He was, uh, I guess, a publicity manager. I'm not sure what their title is to be kind of above. yeah, so he kind of showed me around the Much Music building, just kind of lay of the land. We had a conversation about things. That was really early. I think I I was really like the first month I was in Toronto. Kind of let that go, did my odd jobs. And then what I basically realized like you have to volunteer. In order to get a job in TV, the only way to get your foot in the door is to volunteer. And there's a lot of internships that are, you know, five days a week, 40 hours a week, which is, I gotta, like I'm living in Toronto, I gotta pay the bills, like I can't, I can't do that. Um, and so I originally reached out to both uh, production at MuchMusic and production at Star TV, which is still around. And both of them got back to me saying that uh, we don't take any volunteers. It's only uh, interns like through the co-op positions, like for their, for their schooling. Um, but this guy in publicity was willing to take me on as a volunteer. Amazing. So- so yeah, so started doing that just once a week, and um, so basically, yeah, it was every Wednesday I would go to Much Music, and then I had I found a job at a research company that I would work Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and sometimes a day on the weekend. So I was basically working full time, um, and then would do this one. day. And they knew this is not like this research company knew like this is not what I want to do. This is definitely a temporary thing, I'm volunteering at Much Music once a week. And yeah, so that was a perfect scenario that I'm still making money and I'm still kind of building up a rapport at Much Music. The only difficult thing I found with that was that, you know, an internship, you're there five days a week, you can really make an impression fairly quickly. Being there once a week is really tough because they're not even giving you that big of tasks because they know you're not here until next Wednesday. So real, so I started volunteering, I think, in January, late January. Then they hired me on for a week for the MMVAs to help out with the Much Music Video Awards for a week. And I really found it was after that. I'm like, OK, now I can tell I have enough, enough of a reputation that I could get a job if one becomes available. So that was June. One job came up, I think, in about July or August that I definitely was not right for. Um, I interviewed for it, but yeah, I knew like I shouldn't get this job, and I didn't get it. Um, but yeah, but then the CityLine job, which basically I started the CityLine as the graphics operator in the control room that just, you know, when you see a key come up on the screen or the credits at the end, I was doing that. Um, and I started that in about September, so that was about like nine months of volunteering. Did you have the skill to do that? did you t- To do keying? Or did they teach you how to do uh, they it? They taught me, but it was, it's it was really basic. You're typing in some names, and then you're hitting a button to go to air. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't too complicated.
0: But that goes to show, you got your foot in the door... You volunteered, you volunteered more, you, you saw more opportunities, and then when they realized that you had rapport, that people just knew you by face, they liked you, you've interviewed for other jobs, You're sh- you're certainly showing them that you're interested in the long haul there, that they're willing to finally bring you on to something basic, you know, even if you think it's basic, to some people it might not be, but they're willing to teach you. Yeah everything just to have you there because you're now an asset. Whatever you may be doing, they know, you know, Graham's reliable. And I think that's the hardest thing to find out early on with a a new employer, a new employee is when you... Hire someone on. Sure, they might have the, on paper, they might be, you know, this schooling, they have this experience, but nobody really knows you. Yeah. You know, I think volunteering, as you say, is is definitely now more than ever because the industry is so interesting and so diverse. If you're not spending at least one of your off days just exploring the avenues, you know, what you can get your, your foot in the door, because it's amazing what people are willing to have you as a volunteer and then you leave, they're willing to have you back paid right. because they realize how much value you're bringing to the team. So, you know, that's that's also, again, why I'm bringing you on today to talk about, you know, what first inspired you to get into the industry, what kept you in the industry. And, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, that have worn similar sh- shoes as you that don't stick it out as long as right. you do. And you yourself have mentioned going through layoffs, yeah. coming back. What's that like experiencing firsthand the Canadian media industry showing you that, you know, your job is just a contract sometimes. And As much you know, how many years were you at that point working at City when the layoffs yeah, had so happened? It's probably
1: about, hmm, probably what, three years or so. I was there, and my yeah, my title was still production assistant. I'm trying to remember if I'd done any on air stuff. Yeah, I had done. Yeah, so I'd done some on air stuff as well for City Line. For City Line at that point, um, and yeah, and so yeah, it was a day that they laid off. I think it was like. I think it was like between 15 and 20% of the staff at city. So it was like, it was a substantial a number. Yeah. So a lot of people lost their jobs. So you can be too upset about it. What it was, was that my job, I was a production assistant still, and I was t- still doing that graphics operation. And on paper, they could get someone, someone else to do the graphics for city line. Basically it was like the guy that did BT stuff was going to stay on and do city line stuff. But yeah, what they didn't realize, what really Annoyed the staff of C-Line, you know, the higher ups had no idea how much bigger my role had become beyond what my role was on paper. Um, So literally, actually, uh, it was like in January, the day I was getting laid off in the meeting, I'm getting laid off there was a producer that was pregnant and was going to be going on mat leave in May. And obviously the conversation hadn't come up yet because it was still about five months away. But literally in the meeting, I was getting laid off. I said, what's happening with this producer's uh, uh, maternity leave? What's happening there? And so, yeah, like got laid off, left that day. Um, But even before I left, my boss said, we're going to figure out that maternity leave. So literally within... I think about three or four days of getting laid off. It was set up. I signed a contract. I set up that I'm coming back in May <laughs> for the maternity leave. So that's how I made the, that's really how I made the jump to becoming a producer. Even though I was kind of producing, I was producing field pieces, you know, I didn't have that title. Um, but yeah, to get the actual producer title was yeah I got laid off as a production assistant and then I came back yeah I guess about five months later but there's advice to be taking out of that situation
0: you, right. again it, whether it's the volunteer who now shows the worth once they're gone you were a key gen who you know for what it's worth it, it's basic enough for you to do other things and yeah. you showed that you were you had the initiative to do more so they gave you more and now you know whether or not you were doing enough to help a producer or be be a producer. They saw if they could give you the opportunity, and you run
1: with it. So you were there for you know six more months. You said so. I came back in May. I was there for basically like another year and three months because that's thing they that kept me on even when the. Uh, producer came back from that leave oh, so she came back in May or June so I stayed on for a couple more months but um, yeah it was kind of a little I could tell it was kind of a little bit unknown what they were going to do with me because they really couldn't keep me on they were just kind of keeping me on for a few more months but then the Canada's Got Talent thing came up even though it was the same company I did have to apply to another department so they didn't know I was necessarily applying to this job but yeah once it came up that uh, yeah the, the City Line boss kind of gave me the blessing to go and do it was such a good opportunity. I so you
0: applied, like it was just another job that you saw on like the internet, like on yeah, the. I guess the... I guess it
1: must have been sent out internally because it yeah. was still totally. a City TV job. Um, I think the big, I think the big part of it was technically, um, obviously, I was in the broadcasting world of City, but the canada Got Talent job was digital, technically. Um, so yeah, so it was really two different kind of segments of a very big company. So I did have to totally apply to the job. Yeah, so kind of did it under the radar. It just seemed like a good opportunity. So you get the Canada's Got Talent gig yes.
0: and you're interviewing talent from all over Canada and then that show ends. You start with E.T. and you're kind of jump right into this celebrity pool. You're now doing interviews from, again, national canadian talents and we're talking about contortionists and and circus acts and that kind of stuff now you're alongside celebrities such as cardinal official adam lamper james blunt lady antebellum uh jan arden like what a shift like yes being in city tv and being you know in that building in general you'll see a lot of stars come through and you'll have somewhat of an interaction with them because it's a very tight set but now you're interviewing these people. Now it's Graham doing behind-the-scenes interviews. I mean, you can just go on YouTube and just see how many... Even nowadays, your your live stuff is making its way to YouTube. So it's on Facebook, on your Graham, yeah. on the old page. Uh, and again, even there, other than Roz and Sangita and Cheryl, you're hanging out with a lot of... Like James Blunt, I just saw you do a live... Uh, yeah. Like, you're talking to one of the biggest musicians in the world. Yeah. And you're just kind of shooting the shit with him. <laughs> Sure. It's, it, yeah, and it's a, and it's it's an interesting change of pace, but obviously you're built to interview people, whether they're you know a talent from Canadian Canada's Got Talent. To ET. So what are your, some of your favorite interviews from the,
1: the more celebrity centric oh, experiences? Um, that's the thing, people always ask me that. And I always get stuck because that's the thing I forget them so much of the time. But yeah, like some people that, yeah, Jan Arden was really fun to have on She's our, so cool. our Facebook live because really laid back. You just, yeah, sometimes you just get a rapport with people. And of course these people are so, such professionals too. Like they've been doing this for so long that they just get it. Because the other thing we do with the Facebook live show is we always talk about their project, but then we, you always get them to weigh in on other headlines uh, that happen that day and always try to get stuff that's a, a little bit in their wheelhouse like i don't throw politics at them like that's just no need for that yeah but so it's always try to be stuff that like you know they might know the artist or there's always a some kind of a connection to be made to them um but yeah she jumped right over that i think that's why the artists like because we know the artists like facebook live a lot too because it is of course they do these big press days or they're just going interview after interview and just yeah hearing the same questions over and over and over again so this facebook live is a little bit different format that's a little bit looser um God, i'm trying to think of who else i've really enjoyed um mean, because even at city i did some interviews as well like great big c i remember uh, peter frampton that was a really interesting interview i just saw him live oh yeah yeah with steve miller band um and yeah like just super laid-back guy and i find like basically i've never gone into to an interview with a cue card. I always just have my questions in my head. Um, you keep it simple that way? You get, you know, like, I just want to nail these three off, you know, don't over prepare. No, I'm definitely prepared. I definitely know what I want to ask. And if, yeah, I find to have them in my head, I've kind of, you know, you kind of group them. Uh, usually, like I write down my questions beforehand, figure it out. And then obviously, you know, usually some questions connect to others. So I usually kind of get in my head. It's like, I kind of have like three, or four overall topics that I want to cover. And then I have three questions within each of those topics that... That I want to do. And of course, sure. Like they might give me an answer to that, okay, I'm going to jump to the other question I originally wasn't going to, but I just find that makes the biggest difference in the world when you're interviewing people and you actually have a conversation with them. Like I find it painful that you just see people that are sitting there with a notebook. And it's like, especially because in junket interviews, you usually only get four minutes with the person. And you'll see these people that are, I'm not saying ET people. I see other, other organizations that you have a four-minute interview with somebody and you're sitting there with a big notepad. Like, what are you taking notes on? <laughs> if you can't remember four minutes of questions, because literally that's probably... At most five questions. that's a lot of time. Probably three to four questions you're really fitting in in a junket. So if you can't remember three to four questions for the person, so I just find that for you to sit there with a cue card and you have to look down at your next question, how engaged is that person that you're interviewing really going to be with you? If they just, you know, there's no personal aspect to it. It's literally like you're sitting there with a card reading questions. So I found that that's the biggest thing that you just is come in is start having a conversation with somebody. And I find that I can tell sometimes if they don't even say that I can tell that that celebrity appreciates that, that I'm just coming in and talking to them. So if I, yeah, I find that's the biggest thing in terms of people opening up to and being really relaxed to when you're actually talking to them and, and listening to what they're saying. It's not just question, 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 question. Um, and of course, TIFF is right around the corner too. Yeah, I've I've done TIFF about, oh, I think like six or seven times. It's all been different ranges of how much stuff I do. Um, Now with the Facebook Live show, I'm kind of tied to staying in the studio more as opposed to um, doing the TIFF red carpets and that kind of thing, which I miss, but I I also realized too, like I've kind of had that experience. Like you have to realize at a certain point, like you might miss stuff. was like, but what else would I really get out of that? Like I've done a lot of TIFF red carpets. Being on the road is not as easy glamorous as anybody
0: thinks even if it's in your own city you know sometimes you just want to do your job in a studio enjoy the air conditioning yeah (laughs) you know the craft services if they give it to you and then do your thing because you know you yourself need to decompress you yourself realize what's worth you know the effort sometimes and you know especially in canadian broadcasting you do you really know what your role is like unless you're wearing a bazillion hats yeah. you know you're unionized you know what your job is sometimes yeah it's nice to go above and beyond and get recognized if, if that's your goal in the moment but also to work on yourself is just as important to make sure that you are enjoying life and your your job it's that work-life balance is just like working at a desk nine to five or, or being a fire person you know like it's really easy for people to be like oh you're in media that must be so glamorous right. but it's one one of the hardest industries you know off camera you know on camera it takes so much off camera to get that 30 seconds that that 1 minute that that little facebook live thing so it's i envy you because you do this Facebook Live, and it's it's more of a relaxed approach. There's a lot less to have to be pressured about, and right. I think that gets the best content, in my opinion. Yeah, That's super exciting. And, and I wanted to touch on uh, just the little bit of time you had with Rick Campanelli, uh, who recently has left ET after 12 years. He pretty much started when Roz and Cheryl... Yep. Yeah, all at yeah, the same time, yeah, they started there. What was your experience working with
1: the legend, Rick Campanelli? Like, literally the nicest person I have ever met in this industry. Like when I first met Rick, it was like, like he'd always be, Hey Graham, how are you doing today? That's him. (laughs) That's him to a T. It was so genuine and so, um, uh, engaged in what you're going to say that I I honestly thought I was like, is this an act to just put on? No, that's Rick Campanelli to a T. Like he's just he's so nice and so um, enjoying, uh, yeah, the atmosphere that he's that he's in. I don't really make those connections that much, but of course, yeah, like I was watching him on much music. When um, I was a kid. Yeah, I'm trying to remember when, yeah, like when he started. I feel like it's probably like, wow, like, late, yeah, like late 90s. like totally, late 90s maybe. Totally something. Yeah, so would have been like, yeah, like just becoming a teenager basically and he or like was like early the first teenagers. VJ heartthrob in yeah. Toronto yeah good old Rick the Temp yeah people that's the thing like when, when he would do Face it Live people still comment and Rick say Rick the, the temp. temp like he's still known as Rick the Temp isn't that amazing yeah like you, to have that kind of branding that branding forever yeah. and it's and he embraces stuck. it too yeah, yeah like he's, he's, that's good you got yeah. to. Um yeah so yeah like literally the nicest guy around like yeah everyone totally loved Rick yeah so he's moved on I have no doubt like Rick's gonna have like a bunch of like awesome opportunities coming up I mean, yeah I think he's taking a little bit of time to just chill Um, but yeah like like totally amazing amazing guy so I know you like trivia style games oh sure
0: you have a segment called Sound Off yes we haven't done that in a while yeah that's one of the segments you used to do at ET you do like a rapid fire opinion on topics we need to learn a little bit more about Graham O'Neill we've talked about you know the the, the behind the scenes (laughs) and on air version of Graham O'Neill but let's really get comes out. you know we need to know what Graham loves to do in Toronto you know favorite bars and restaurants favorite place to escape the city you. We'll talk about that, and of course, check out Never Sleeps Network uh, socials at Never Sleeps Net on Instagram uh, and Twitter and Facebook to see more behind-the-scenes footage with Graham that we did earlier today. So I'm going to give you a, a lightning round of questions. Okay, here we go. Okay, so we can get your personal take on the best ofs that oh. the summer of 2017. Oh, it's been such a terrible summer weather to offer. Oh, well, geez. maybe not just weather. We're talking. About, we're going to talk media. Okay. We're going to talk. We're going to okay. all the things oh, that gotcha, you know. Okay, gotcha. You know. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, I'm going to make this easy enough, I promise okay. <laughs> like let's we'll start off easy. best song of summer seventeen Ooh. I know
1: everyone loves desposito i have that written down in my notes oh, but actually uh, i guess this kind of plug i'm shocked that i love that liam payne song that stripped that down song that ed sheeran co-wrote that i was not expecting that kind of it's very a bieber-esque kind of song and i don't necessarily love well bieber kind of does edm stuff now but it's kind of like that r&b hip-hop kind of style yeah so strip that down i love that song um new rules by uh dua lepa i think her name is very cool video new rules look that music video Best reality TV show of summer oh. 17 I always say MasterChef, and I, I still watch MasterChef, and I, I'm i not a cook at all. That's what I find hilarious, that I watch MasterChef every season, and I, don't, I guess I'm just fascinated by the fact that, like, these people are given these ingredients, and they get an hour, and, like, they, they're like, oh, what am I going to do? And then they come up with these gourmet meals. I think, how would you come up with that? Do you cook? No, that's insane. Like, I don't really, like, well, whatever. I make, like, little things. I make some chicken <laughs> <laughs> and put some, sprinkle some spice on it. Are you a health nut? yeah a little bit to yeah. a certain extent i definitely have my vices in terms of like sweets oh uh, you want to shout out any local places no the little basic is like give me like a bag of candy and <laughs> i'm good <laughs> that's like awesome. whatever like you know pastries are fine but like just give me a bag of like peanut butter m&ms or like some sour like candies and I'm good to go. I'm the same way, but I get the worst stomach aches from like raw candy. Right. I just like I know like that's nightmares thing I, I, and
0: stomach aches. I, that's I don't buy me. It
1: anymore. I've I've stopped. I haven't had it. I've had like a few things here and there, but now I've stopped. Okay, a little bit more
0: harding, hard hitting.
1: Best or most interesting news story of the summer. I mean, it's got to be something Trump related. Um, but I think I mean, obviously, yeah, it can all be grouped together a little bit. I think just watching this Trump situation continue. And as purely awful as it is, I think it's been amazing how it's woken people up and how engaged people are in everything that they see the influence that they can have. And so sure, there's no end in sight at this point. I think regardless of whatever your you know, your political opinions are, I think you have to realize that the situation is not great <laughs> with Trump. But yeah, I think the big thing that is happening is that no matter how powerful the government is, the power of the people is greater. And I think you're seeing that time and time again. And I think whatever happens down the line, I think it is gonna be the people that end this situation <laughs> Very well I, don't said, mean, huh? I don't mean violently but I just think yeah, no, like, whatever's right. going to happen their opinion is going to finally end this and so I think yeah just I mean there's literally almost every other day there's a huge thing that happens that involves Trump you can't believe that's happening yeah so it's hard to choose just kind of pinpoint one um, obviously the Charlottesville situation was was huge but yeah I think no matter what you've really seen people waking up like I can't wait for the next election just to see the voter turn- turnout I think the voter turnout is going to be insane because i think they usually get like well like i think like it's like was it 60 percent? i feel like that's high i feel like that's not right for the general election what what you're getting at is the fact that
0: the extremes we're seeing with trump is going to create the extremes of the people the people are finally going to be voicing their yeah, opinions they always like
1: oh it doesn't really matter if i vote oh, it matters. Kind of thing. yeah this is what happens Now it matters
0: <laughs> let's lighten things up best toronto summer patio
1: oh um, I always love. Oh, I'm gonna forget the, the name of it now. The one on, you're not great with names. Oh, no, I always forgot. Uh, we'll figure it out together. Black Bulls. I what it's called. Hey, uh, and yeah, John? Queen Street and yeah. John. Yeah, yeah I was find that patio can get a little bit hot if you're right in the sun. But the thing is, like, it hasn't been a particularly hot, like crazy warm summer. Yeah, so I find that's a great like people watching patio. That's I a great saw, corner. It was actually I saw the weekend there. I'm just walking down the street, but this is right. This would have been what that would have been last summer. It was after. Um, the Fifty Shades of Grey song came out, so it's probably like June. But it was before Can't Feel My Face came out, so that's like he was really kind of like starting to explode, but he wasn't exactly where he is now. But of course, you recognize that's when he still had the big hair, so you recognize him right away walking down the street. He had a big, huge bodyguard with him, but no, he's just walking down the street. So yeah, great people watching, Black Blackpool. Blackpool. Yes. And what are we drinking? What's the best cocktail? Oh. Summer 17. Usually I'm a vodka guy. Um, If I'm sitting on a patio... That's when I usually go to ciders. Every once in a while a beer, but usually a cider. And I'm pretty easy going when it comes to a cider. But yeah, I find it interesting, like I won't drink cider or beer if just like whatever I'm at somebody's house or something like that. But like if you're like sitting on a patio, I think as you can sip it slower. I think if I got a vodka drink and I was actually thirsty, like you're dehydrated, then I'd just throw back a vodka drink and probably get messy really quickly. But with a cider or beer, you can just kind of nurse it a little bit slower. And it's more like chill, hang out on the patio not like getting bombed <laughs> so, like your last name is O'Neill. that's true i know the irish the irish could take over do sometimes you, do you make the irish proud when, when you drink or, or not so yeah. proud. oh yes for sure like <laughs> st patty's day this year i was pretty impressed with myself for Right. because uh, that's the thing i don't really like drink beer that often but i drank a lot of beer you're was a, a tall dude man there's, true. A, there's a lot to fill up yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right best celebrity feud Oh, like of all time? No, no. Summer. Summer. We'll keep it oh, to, to Well, less. this one that is never ending is Taylor Swift and Katy Perry. And... I mean, Taylor Swift's whole thing with this new song, I just don't. Once again, it's it's not a great song. I thought it was against Kanye. I mean, Kanye's in there a little bit too. It was released on the, the anniversary of Kanye's mom's well, death. Her, her album is, yeah, her album comes out the same day. And her label has said that's like, there's no connection there. And yeah, I think that's reaching a little bit. Like, obviously, she has to release it on a Friday. Right in like yeah prime time in november so i think that that's definitely just a coincidence but just this whole song like i don't i i like taylor swift and that's thing even if you don't like taylor swift you have to admit she writes super catchy super super songs this song ain't that catchy it's like i really feel like she went out of her way to get her digs into a song instead of really making a great song granted the video is amazing so i think that's i mean that's what i keep saying is like i'm interested to see what this song does in a month because obviously you know it really what happens on the charts? Sure, it's going to debut big, but is it going to last on the charts? Are people going to be hitting repeat, listening to that song? And I'm not sure that's the case. People are really dissecting the video. So, anyways, yeah, back to the Katy Perry Taylor uh, Taylor Swift feud. It's just been going on for so long. At a certain point, it's like let it go. Like especially when all this other stuff is happening in the world for the two of them, because Katy Perry is swish swish too, which is like her diss track. So it's like move on, you two. Like there's other things happening in the world. Like give us just. A happy pop song at a certain point do they need each other though like is it part of the shtick that's what people like I've kind of said like they're fueling the song but I don't think they do they don't need like Taylor, people are going to be listening to a Taylor Swift song regardless like when she was releasing a new song everyone wants that's why it's exploded on the charts because everyone wants to hear what Taylor Swift's new song is and I think Katy Perry not necessarily as much but I don't think neither one of them need this to fuel on the crew like when a few years ago when Kanye and 50 Cent released their albums on the same day 50 Cent was not doing that well. So, to create that feud totally fueled his album sales. So, with something like that, sure, I can see it. But, like, Great example. Perry, Great Perry example. and Taylor Swift don't really need to do that. Best play or musical of summer 17? Oh, you see anything this, this summer? Uh, no, I didn't see anything this summer, but I'm still like, completely obsessed with Hamilton. Okay. I've, I've like, I've never downloaded a, a Broadway soundtrack without seeing a show. And I know that whole soundtrack, <laughs> that whole soundtrack, wow. like even they released like a mixtape with people doing covers of it. And I listened to that as well. <laughs> wow. It's that good. Um, it's that good. It's like, it's like hip hop. Basically it's like hip hop music. Okay. So, like some R and B mixed in as well, but no, it's like, it's amazing. Like the music in it. I don't know when I'll be able to see that show. I know it's coming to Toronto. Yeah. I think it's next, next year. year. Yeah. I'm need sure, like the, tickets, yeah, I'm sure the tickets are already insane. So, i'm just waiting like can you just make a movie version of it please or like, you know somebody at et maybe hook me up yeah well don't have that connection in new york so i don't think anyone has that connection oh in man the- nobody
0: has a hamilton connect- that's what kind of makes it so cool it's kind of like so exclusive True, you
1: can't get in best movie of summer 17 close call but i would say dunkirk over wonder woman Yes, I have a few issues with one. Well, not issues. I just don't think it's. It was amazing, as people say, a great movie, totally great action superhero movie. I found it was like a little bit slow in parts, and I think people. I'm not knocking people for doing it, but I think once it was a good movie, people went overboard saying. Oh my God, this movie is amazing because it's a female director, female superhero. It's a very, really good movie. Like, interesting point. Once we start talking about Oscars, it's like, okay, let's. Yeah, let's superhero calm movies down is done in this. In. this but, even, yeah. but even like, whatever, I would have supported Dark Knight or that kind of thing, like getting Oscar Different. I would say that's different. Yeah, like Wonder Woman. Mm, I, mean, I, yeah. I would even be okay with Gal Gadot getting a best actress on this. She idea, was great. Yeah, for sure. But like, we're talking best picture, like, no. But yeah, Dunkirk, yeah, amazing movie. I know it's not necessarily like a summer kind of movie, but, it's, but it is. Yeah, it's a huge hit. Uh, in the theater. I hear. I hear you have to see it in the theater. IMAX, is on IMAX. Yeah, um, yeah incredible. Like Christopher Nolan once again, like really unique kind of war movie. For and him that's too. why The
0: Dark Knight is different
1: yeah. than Wonder Woman. You know, it's just because Christopher Nolan makes these
0: epic yeah, movies. It beyond, yeah, superhero movie. Best scripted TV show of summer seventeen. Ooh, I love so many TV shows. Uh, I know this is. I knew this one was going to be a good one for you.
1: Uh, I'm think. I, I mean, I did just watch it a few weeks ago. It did. Yeah, I think it wrapped in June. Was Fargo, Fargo season three. Loved it. I think it probably premiered in April. So, but it still was on in the summertime. Totally. Um, yeah, and I remember that. Literally, I think season one and season two of Fargo are two of the best seasons of anything ever. I totally agree. And I remember hearing that people like people were saying that season three wasn't as good. And I guess I would agree with that. It was probably my least favorite of three, but it's like, if you're saying one and two were the two of the best seasons of any TV show I've ever seen, season three is still the best thing on TV. Sure. Maybe it wasn't quite as good as season one and two. Yeah. Like still like amazing. amazing show. I know they're saying they might not do another season. Oh, no, really? Um, just, you're just, right.
0: There is consistency.
1: Yeah. Cause the creator just doesn't have an idea. Mm-hmm. He says he might revisit but That's the thing with these shows. Now it's like some of them just take like, you know, three years off and they'll come back when they have an idea to do um oh uh ozark fantastic show. another great one i know people uh when the reviews came out the reviews are kind of you know ho-hum like just like oh it's okay but yeah it seems like everyone then i watched it and it was like i love the show and it's one of, i usually i don't really binge watch shows i don't watch something too quickly um at most i'll watch two episodes at once i just find that um, I want to digest an episode, like give it a couple days. So I don't really, I know people just like, I know people that'll watch like entire season of something in like a day, like on a weekend. It was like, really? Like you sat down. I can't remember what, it was some show recently. Someone was telling me like, oh yeah, I watched that all in one day. I was like, so you sat and watched Netflix <laughs> for 12 hours. Like, it's just like, whatever, to each his own. But just like, I would like, my brain would just be so fried. And and mushy, just like, yeah. Yeah. I couldn't do that. So yeah. Was, but yeah, it was like, it was amazing. You're right. Some shows, deserve to be
0: binged in that one sitting because you just can't put it down right and Ozark was like that I after the first episode how I explain it is it starts. And it just keeps going. Yeah, think, yeah. It's a, and, and it's not that things just come out of the woodwork like, oh, this piece is, we've needed this piece this whole time. No, every time a new piece is revealed, you're like, oh, that's a layer and, right. and it's a good layer yeah. and it's not revealing too much. And things that you expect to go one way that don't aren't like a major twist. Right. And it's like that Breaking Bad in the sense, yeah, you know, like it, like a sense. but it, it keeps going where Breaking Bad has, you know, a more time effect to it. Ozark is like, how is this keep going? And right. it gets it's crazy and episodes. crazy. Yeah, yeah. It was, I was actually very really impressed. Very impressed. Um, I got more here. Um, um, no, I'm not doing these very quickly. You're doing, you are. You're good, you're good. <laughs> giving too much explanation. Best daytime or
1: late night talk show of the last few months that you've been really riding on? Um, late night... Really, I don't watch any late night show consistently. I always like see the sketches. Of course, we show them a lot in uh, Facebook Live the next day. Of course, Stephen Colbert is doing great stuff. A show that I've kind of re- rediscovered a daytime show that I'm kind of digging. What am I going to say? The View. All right. it's a big thing like obviously these shows that do uh, politics their ratings are huge that's why Stephen Colbert like took over Jimmy Fallon and yeah apparently The View was really struggling there for a few seasons um, just because they had so much cash change over and that kind of thing but now they have yeah like they're doing a lot of politics now Um, and yeah like it totally I find that a lot of the time like I I PVR it no I don't necessarily watch every episode but I'm kind of especially because with the Trump stuff you want to see people talk about it and kind of fun a little bit and have those opinions like being like WTF what's happening here um, yeah so the views kind of enjoyed like they have a really good panel now Like, because I found a few years ago when they had like Raven Simone and stuff like that I was like why do I want to hear what Raven Simone has to say about things but yeah now they have like legitimate journalists on the panel of course Joy Bear is back. Whoopi Goldberg still looks like she hates her life on that show but no it is it is yeah an enjoyable show and I find that I'm kind of reengaged in it. That I watch it sometimes because I'm shocked by it. I bet Whoopi we'll be sa- signed like a 20 like a year contract. Well, Something. No, well, she was supposed to be done this year but she signed up for wow. next year again well, like the season hated hate that much yeah. right
0: all right best fashion statement of the summer or someone you thought
1: made a bold fashion statement this season oh um i was gonna say the male romper but i will say in terms of you um, could rock a male romper <laughs> no i don't think so <laughs> you gotta be very slim to wear that um in terms of a look that someone rocked, my favorite was Charlize Theron when she's doing her Atomic Blonde uh, press tour. Uh, she did the Berlin premiere, and she literally just showed up in her bra. It was a Dior bra, obviously it's a very nice bra, but she, you know you're wearing a skirt, but then on top just wearing a bra. And it's thought, it, it reminded me of Sue Ellen Miski on um, Seinfeld. Remember that episode where she just walks down the street? Obviously, Charlize Theron looks amazing. But it's just, yeah, it's just interesting things. Just like, she is just flat out wearing a bra. It's very stylized. Yeah, it had like Dior writing right on it. So like it looked like a bra. And then the next premiere, I, can't, I think it was like an LA premiere. She wore a bra again, but she didn't put like a sheer blouse over top. It was completely see-through. But I guess she's like, oh, maybe I should cover up a little tiny bit. And just put like material that is completely see-through. It was like, so, yeah, but no, like, obviously, Charlize Theron can wear anything she wants, but... She can just rock her bra if she wants to. But Seinfeld did it first. It's true. Uh, it always did everything first. Yeah, she can right. relate every for sure. situation. Best summer festival or event from this past summer? Oh, I went to way home again this year. Only went for Sunday night uh, to see Frank Ocean. Um, but I went, yeah, I went a little bit more last year. But once again, this year, is like, I find that that uh, festival is so well organized, so uh, well maintained, like throughout the weekend, like both, uh, both last year and this year, was going on Sunday. So usually at that point, things are pretty run down, lots of garbage, completely pristine everywhere. Lots of, I've been to a few other festivals, you know, like when it really gets down to like music festivals, they can look amazing in pictures and like, wow, it looks like a great time. But once you're actually there all day, all night, it's not that glamorous like it's really hot there's not a lot love to eat there's not a lot to drink and water and balance situations but no that festival is amazing obviously they have amazing artists as well you can get really close with the three stages they really planted that well and yeah frank ocean was amazing so i'll say way home
0: so was frank ocean the best live performance you saw this summer
1: yes that, yeah for sure like he like i've been waiting to see him he doesn't really tour that much um so yeah to get the chance to see him was pretty awesome
0: and what's your favorite restaurant maybe in the summertime or just in general, maybe in your neighborhood. We, we, let's get a little bit more of a taste of Toronto in Graham's eyes.
1: Yeah, see, I'm so basic. I know we, we, you'll see the video where I said the keg mansion. I love the keg mansion. It's like, because yeah, I don't really eat out of that. Um, often I'll get like takeout stuff and that kind of thing. But uh, the keg mansion is just like, it, it's like it's doing something glamorous without really paying an insane amount of money to do that. Um yeah, obviously paying like for stake and that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's still on like I think it's on, like, the low end of things. What's your favorite cut? Like, Um, what are you eating there for a man who clearly likes his red meat? (laughs) But that's the thing. But I never, yeah, that's the thing. I never really buy, you know, red meat or steak, like, on my own. Why would it? Yeah, why would you? Yeah. Just eat chicken all the time or tuna. Yeah. Yeah, so go to the King Mansion. Uh, What do they have? Like, they have, like, the sirloin. Hey. That's a nice cut. Um, (laughs) That's a nice cut. (laughs) That's what I say when I start to eat it, too. That's a nice cut. Um, Yeah, you can't go wrong with the King mansion know, yeah there's definitely a bunch of other places but uh, yeah i find like dining at a certain point it's like i don't like to be at a restaurant for too long okay it's like have a good catch up with friends once you have the meal it's like okay let's let's move this along
0: and this show is called ross never sleeps Yes. you know you've known me for a long time sleep and artists they they don't go hand in hand they do go hand in hand what is your sleep like you know you wake up quite early to be on set for a lot of these shows are you a good sleeper do you hit the when you
1: hit the hay are you out right away yeah pretty much um i i sleep pretty well like i'm not in work too early like i'm usually up at about 6 30 that's early um yeah um, um, not for me but that's, that's yeah, early 7 o'clock i'm up um but no, I'm, I'm very conscious of like getting good sleep good for you yes like i'm in bed by like 10 30 uh, yeah I'm usually like 1030 that's like my shutdown I usually like get in bed at like 10 watch something on my laptop on Netflix and once I'm like I'm falling asleep then good for I you I close the laptop good and for in you in the morning too it's like I know some people hit the snooze no like my alarm goes off I'm up because that's the thing I would just fall right back asleep because I live downtown Toronto there's a lot of noises so like I'm sure if my snooze went off I would probably just sleep right through it like I hear fire alarms all night or sorry oh, sure. fire, fire trucks all night going by so I've gotten pretty good like tuning stuff out so so Yeah, plugs eye mask? no come on yeah, I keep my blinds open too so like I kind of to wake up naturally yeah, like in the summertime it's definitely it's nice obviously in the wintertime it's dark all the time but, but you're a, you're an energy
0: guy like I feel like you vibe on like sunny days and going to the gym and talking to people like I mean that's I mean everybody does but you especially I think that you've almost made a career out of just being yeah, true. happy yeah. with you know waking up every day and engaging and I think that's you know the biggest takeaway that people need to understand here in television You know, and like you said, you know, start every day anew, Uh, really look forward to, you know, don't have to look at it like redemption, but, you know, whatever mistakes you may have made in the past, now is a whole new day to
1: make it fresh and and exciting and and progress. Yeah, the big thing too is like you gotta have faith in yourself. Because there's going to be people that say, like I've had people along the way that said no. I don't even mean to like, you know, honor stuff. I just mean like in jobs in general. Like I remember from the very beginning, volunteering in that publicity department, someone said to me in another part of, of Much Music said, you're never going to be able to make the jump to production. You're volunteering in publicity. You're never going to make that jump to production. So there's definitely people that along the way are going to tell you no, or just pessimistic about what you can do. Even people in yeah uh, positions of authority, But yeah, you just have to believe in yourself no matter what you want to do and just keep plugging away at it. And and that's the thing, you have to find satisfaction in what you're doing too. Like to just be always trying to reach some goal that might you never reach, you're just going to be, yeah, like depressed all the time that you're not getting there. So I think you have to be realistic about things too, like where where you're getting in your career too. And I think another takeaway
0: from your career is you set goals, not even that are achievable, but understand that you may set a goal and something else may happen. Right. And that might be what your goal was meant to be achieved. That was the goal that was meant to be achieved. It, it's funny, setting a goal and achieving something else is interesting. Some people are, are not able to, to make the connection. That be like, yeah, no, this was what I set out to do. And this is still a goal in its own right. It's right. a milestone. It's it's something I have to be proud of. And I think we we need to end on this note of positivity and you're right, believe in yourself. It's It's easy to say, but it's just as easy to do in a lot of ways because if you don't believe in yourself, nobody else will. And the more you reinforce your positivity and hang out, like, I mean, I'm just so happy you came today because it's just bringing me back to old times and, (laughs) you know, shooting with you and, and doing your, your, your video blog back in the day, that on the go and TO stuff, just like you were proving to yourself, to your peers, uh, and you didn't really have to prove it to anybody but yourself. But the idea here is the more you work in that positive realm and the more you put that effort in, the more you're going to get out of it. So I want to thank
1: my guest today, Graham O'Neill. Graham, where can we find you on the interwebs? So basically, now I'm pretty much, I do have a GrahamOneil.com, but basically, social media is the best way to find me. Yeah, so it's easy just Graham O'Neill on Twitter, Graham O'Neill on Instagram, and Graham O'Neill on Facebook. Thank you
0: so much for coming in today. Thank you, Alex. Uh, definitely check out Graham O'Neill, uh, ET Canada, live on Facebook. You'll see him sharing it on his page and check it out on the ET Canada page. Never Sleepers, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Ross Never Sleeps. Sleep tight.